we're concluding a series called The Choice. The Choice. And if you're a guest, every month we do a new series here. Can't wait for next month. And I promise you on that first Sunday, bring on church friends and they're going to hear a simple message that's going to be life-changing for them. And uh, how many is glad you're in a church that's not condemning and judgmental? It's a church of truth and grace mixed together, and that's what makes the gospel work. Amen? But Jesus gives us a choice, and we've been sharing with you that life is made up of 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it. It really does. And so we, we talked to you about the first thing is that, that this whole message is wrapped around this topic of being stuck, that the enemy wants you to get stuck in life to where you feel like it can't change, it can't get better, and just settle. And so we talked about learning to love life, and then we talked about attitude matters, and then last week we talked about breathe again, just take a breath of fresh air, and we introduced the Holy Spirit to many of you, and I've had more feedback probably on that message than any message I've done in a long time going, I really was confused about this Holy Spirit thing, but I got it. It was just simplified to where I understand it. And so we're excited about that. And today I want to talk to you on what I believe is one of the most important messages to preach to America today, much less the church. And I want to talk to you today on rest before rule. Because you will never rule an area of your life that you're not resting in. Because many of us are exhausted because we're trying to force things to happen rather than resting in God's promises. All right? And so let's look at this today because we, we're, we're so fast-paced, aren't we? I mean, everything's so accelerated today. Our hectic schedules, more places to be at than ability to be there. Our work, our family, ball fields, activities, church, ministry, too much to do and no time to do it. And as a nation and as a people, we're exhausted. And listen, when you don't have time to finish the book you're reading on time management, you're too busy. And when you tell your family it's time for dinner and they all go get in the car to go out to eat, you're too busy. When you've got more clothes in your vehicle than you do your closet, people are already doing this, you're too busy. And when you have to wash dishes out of the sink because there are not any clean ones in the cabinets to eat, you're too busy. I'm going to get all of you today, so just get ready, all right? Let's go to our text, Deuteronomy. Let's go quick. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. God says I've called the heavens and the earth to be a witness that I'm giving you a choice. That, that life doesn't control you, your choices do. And I've given every one of you an equal choice that you can choose life or death Blessings or curses? But then he stops and says, by the way, choose life because you've got a choice. You don't have to choose death, curses, destruction. You can choose life. And this whole series has been about this. So God puts a choice in front of us every day to live life, to live it to its fullest, or to choose death. How do, how do we as Americans spend our time? Here's some proven facts. We eat out 14,411 times in our lifetime. That, that's what we do. We go out to eat. Amen. I heard some amens on that one. Number two is we spend 15 years and four months of our life watching TV. Number three, we spend five years waiting in line. We spend one year looking for misplaced items. Now, certain people, that magnet increases 
tremendously, no names mentioned, first lady, pastor's wife, Kathy Livingston, amen. Just uh, <laughs> some people have a special gift of putting something somewhere and cannot find it. It's not lost, it's in the house somewhere. Amen. All of her children said amen, all right, all right. We spend 30, we go to 35 weddings on the average. And we drive 627,000 miles. Now here's why I put all that up there. Not one person on their deathbed said, will you give me a little more of that? Can I just experience a little more of where we're spending a bulk of our time because nothing about any of these really matter. I want to talk to you today because we're busy. And just reading that, are you tired yet? I mean, because many wake up exhausted. We go to bed mentally and physically exhausted, and we wake up exhausted knowing that today's probably not going to be any different. And we spend our life doing things that absolutely do not matter. Hebrews 4, it says, there remains then, and I want you to grab this scripture today. I want you to say it with me. This is the Bible. Come on, tell me. This is the Bible. This is God speaking. Are you with me? This isn't Pastor Dan's opinion. This is God speaking, and here's what he says. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Anybody here belong to God? Then Jesus said in Scripture, there remains a Sabbath rest. Now, don't get caught up in the Sabbath because people make it, want to make it Sunday And it's not always Sunday, and I'll explain that later. The word Sabbath does not mean Sunday. It means cease, that you cease what you're doing. And so he says here, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also will rest from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So God says, here's your choice. You can learn and follow in the rest that I have provided for you, and you will live and have life, or you can choose to follow the others and not have that Sabbath rest, and you'll die with them. And you'll die miserable, you'll die exhausted, and you'll probably die early. All right, good preaching already. The amens are already going down. But this happened to a guy named Belshazzar. It's in the Bible, and there's a story. And, and Belshazzar was about to be elevated. He was about to be exalted. He's the new king, and he's taken the people of God in captivity. And Daniel's one of those. He's in captivity. And Belshazzar's having this big wine blowout, this massive party. It's in the Scripture. And he's going to be exalted and elevated that night and praised as God. And he's got the, the, the scholars tell us that it was such a party. They had booze everywhere. They had scantily dressed women dancing through the aisles. And they had peacocks going around with golden saddles and bridles on them that was taking the liquor to the tables. And, and he's been exalted. And the party and the musicians are playing. And all of a sudden, this hand appears in the air, just a hand. And it starts writing on the wall of this big building that they're in having this party. Can you imagine being in there half lit? A hand. Many, many to kill your farson. It begins to write. 
I mean, the musician's putting his trumpet in his case and easing out the door. I mean, some, some ain't right in here. People are getting there by there. They're easing out the side door. Listen, people will party with you. They'll get drunk with you. They'll eat your food. They'll wear out your house. They'll steal your family. But when you face God, you're going to face the handwriting all by yourself. I mean, the hall's emptying. He can't figure it out. The Bible said his knees had fellowship together. They begin to smoke together. There's some fellowship going on. He's scared to death. He calls magicians in and says, interpret that. They said, we don't know what it means. And his wife says, there's this man you've got in prison named Daniel. And, and he's been known to interpret dreams. Call him. And they bring Daniel in. And Daniel stands before Belshazzar the king and he says, tell me what that means. He said, I will give you gold. I will give you riches. I will put you third over my kingdom. And Daniel said, I'm not interested in your money or your positions, but I can tell you what it means. And here it is on your notes. Read it with me. He says, this is what these words mean. God has numbered the days of your reign and he's now brought it to an end. And he did because the next day him and his sons were put to death. You have been weighed, and here's what I want you to hear today. You have been weighed on the scales of God and found wanting. And I want to talk to you as your pastor today, deeply caring about the congregation that I have the honor to preach and pastor. God is weighing every one of our lives today, and most of us are extremely out of balance. I'm just going to talk to you. Can I talk to you today? Because I want to help some of you today. Most of our lives are way out of balance. Things are not adding up, and we find ourselves exhausted, confused, frustrated. We're going full blast, but we're doing it on empty. And when you live on empty, going full blast, I want to share with you a destructive pattern that the enemy puts in front of us to cause us to make bad choices. All right? So I'm going to take you on a journey and, and I promise you, including your pastor, because I have to live what I preach, I'm going to share with you five things, and every one of us in this room are going to be able to identify with at least two to three of them. So don't look at your neighbor and go, he's talking to you. No, I'm talking to you too, <laughs> and me. And I have to live with a lady that reminds me of everything I preach, all right? So let's, let's do this together, all right? Because rest is something that I've had to learn to do because I'm a workaholic, I, I'm, I'm a workaholic. I, I love to work. It's not something I hate to do. I love to work. I love to do things right, and I like to do it right the first time. And, and, and I like for everything around me to be done that way. And, and so I'm a workaholic, and rest was not my number one rule. And, and so I didn't always do that, and I wound up 38 years old with 24-hour heart monitors almost dead from mental and physical exhaustion. And so I'm preaching out of doing it wrong to help you do it right and let's do it right together. You with me today? All right? And so when the enemy gets you out of balance and he gets you in a place of exhaustion, number one, my risk of sinful choices increases. When you're exhausted and you're tired and your life is out of balance, our resistance to bad choices decreases. We're now more vulnerable to make bad choices. When we were depleted and empty, we become unstable and vulnerable to bad decisions. And this is where the enemy sets his trap, is that if he can just get you tired, he, he knows he's not going to get you to just walk away from God today. You, you love God too much for that. But if he can just get you exhausted and get you out of balance, 
to where he can just get you to make some bad choices. That, you know, a little drink right now, I know I was an alcoholic, I'm not going to get that bad again, but, you know, I really need something to kind of calm my nerves. He's not after your nerves, he's after your life. You know, just a little pornography, I know I was bound by that, but just a little bit, you know, kind of, no, he, he's trying to get you to where your resistance level is decreased so your vulnerability has increased so that he can just get you to make some bad choices because bad choices will lead to eternal destruction. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I appreciate all the applause. It's been wonderful. Luke says this, be careful. Look at your neighbor and tell them, be careful. Now look at the other neighbor and tell them, be careful. Be careful. Be careful of what? Be careful of your hearts. Be careful of your hearts. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. And what does that mean? It means a squandering, a squandering of money, energy, or resources. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with squandering. How many has used up some things you should have kept? I mean, it can be love, it can be money, it can be resources, it can be patience, it can be a whole lot. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation or drunkenness and the anxieties of life. How are we going to pay the mortgage this month? How, how are we going to get, how, how are we going to, how, 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 how? And, and we get weighed down and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. God's saying, be careful. Be careful that you don't get so out of balance that you're exhausted You've got more to do than you've got time and energy to do it. You've taken on things that aren't yours to take on. You're, you're totally wiped out. You're now vulnerable to make sinful choices. Number two, doesn't stop there. Then, if I continue on, my emotions become inconsistent. I lose consistency in my life. When I'm exhausted, I have no consistency. It's just how do I feel today? What, what, what do I feel like doing today? How, am I angry? Am I mad? Am I forgiving? Am I unforgiving? Am I hopeful? Have I lost hope? How many found that when you're exhausted, there's no consistency to your faith or your feelings? Come on, am I preaching to the right church today? Everything becomes inconsistent. I've lost my faith, my reason. You're the one who's always running late. You're telling the guy off that's behind you blowing the horn in the traffic, forgetting that you've got the honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on your car. And you're just telling him off and giving him the unchristian wave. And like, get, all, you know, get over it, brother. We're all in line. You know, you just, you know, why? Because you're tired, you're exhausted, and and you know you're going to be running late, and so you're in traffic with the rest of them, and, and you're getting there first no matter what. Job said this, my days go by faster than a runner. Fly away without me seeing any joy. Can I challenge some of you? This is going to be hard for some of you, but I really mean this. Some of you need to set your clock about 20 to 30 minutes earlier and have a little time with Jesus before you have any time with the world. 
and just read a few scriptures. You don't have to read the whole Bible. Just read some Psalms to get you going and, and read some Romans to just reassure your salvation and book of John and, and get to meet Jesus a little better and, and, and just really just spend a few minutes in the Word and then, then have some little worship time before you go. Just listen to a song or two that brings glory to God. And when you get into your vehicle, you've got extra time to get to work so you can add some more worship and not put your makeup on. And just have some more atmosphere with the presence of God. And then when they're blowing their horn at you, you're not fired up and ready to go do a fist fight. You're like, you need to go, go ahead. Just go on around. I've got the time. I'm okay. I'm not exhausted and I'm not stressed. Everything's okay. Because you create an atmosphere of consistency. That you're not stressed and on the clock and on the needle and on the pen all the time. Are you with me today? And this is what the enemy wants to do. Because fast pace means less joy. Slower pace means more joy. You live in the South, act like it. <laughs> Enjoy it. You see, some set the stage for a destructive day before you ever leave your house. You leave yourself no time for that word, no time for worship, no time to just enjoy you. Get a cup of coffee and just relax for a moment and read the word and listen to a little worship and set the stage for a very positive and consistent day. Yes. Number three is when I'm tired and exhausted, I become less productive. I become less productive because doing more does not mean accomplishing more. Did you hear what I said? Doing more does not mean accomplishing more. You only accomplish more when you're operating on a sharp edge. You see, you can chop one tree all day long with a dull axe, and that's all you're going to get. But if you sharpen that axe, you can cut multiple trees down in less time and energy. And the enemy wants to keep you dull, keep you exhausted, keep you tired, where you're not sharp. And when you're not sharp, you're wearing yourself out trying to accomplish what you could do in far less time and energy if you were just rested. And it's a trick of the enemy. You see, we buy into the lie. Just more, more, more. Got to have more. Got to have more. Got to have more. Got to have more of this. Got to have more of that. Got to have more house. Got to have more car. Listen, my wife and I are getting ready to downsize. We got a four-bedroom, a little over 2,000-square-foot home right now that we don't need. I ain't trying to impress nobody. I'm getting me a two-bedroom condo, and somebody else is going to cut my grass, and I'm swimming in their pool. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't need a big house to tell everybody, look at my house, and a fancy car. And I'm, I, Some people, cars are their thing. It's just not mine. You know, I like my truck, and it takes me to the woods to hunt. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Pulls the boat. All right? But I'm saying we fall to this trap of the enemy. We've got to have more. Got to have more. You know, just one more meeting, just one more phone call, one more email, one more client, one more dollar, one more, one more, one more, more, more. And we wear ourselves out for that one more, and we become less sharp, thus we become less productive. And we're working harder, and we're working longer, and we're getting less done. We're tired. Proverbs, the book of wisdom says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Failing to plan is planning to fail. If you don't even know what you're going to wear to work tomorrow, you're probably going to be late. 
because you're in the closet trying to figure it out for 30 minutes in the morning. And so you plan. You, you, you don't let the enemy get you into this trap. Proverbs 19.2 says, A person in a hurry makes mistakes. If you're constantly behind, I can promise you you're constantly making mistakes. Because the enemy wants you tired, wore out, unsharp, nonproductive. And then that leads to the next step where we become empty inside. When I'm tired, when I'm wore out, fast-paced, confused, no rest, not sharp, I become empty inside at the end of the day, tired and exhausted. And my question is, for what? Anybody besides me had those days where you just wore out? I mean, you worked like an animal and you got through the end of the day and got home and thought, what in the world did I get done today? It's like, what did I accomplish? Now, we're all going to have days like that, but every day shouldn't be like that. Majority of our days shouldn't be like that. You see, we, we have that mindset, I thought extra efforts would bring joy, satisfaction, self-worth, value, provide more stuff for my family, but now they're upset because I'm never home. My kids don't know me because I'm never there. I made a bunch of money, and I've lost my family, my home, and my children doing it. And it's not wrong having nice things. Matter of fact, keep your job, okay, because I ain't paying your mortgage, all right? But that can't be my ultimate goal. I can't live just for that. I've got to live for the joy of the Lord, which is my strength and purpose and God's plan in my life. Psalmist put it like this. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends to nothing. Come on, we hear in the word of God today. Now, anyone that knows me, I'm not saying lazy because I hate lazy. Me and lazy do not get along. My dad would whip you over lazy. I mean, you didn't need to steal nothing. Just get lazy and a belt's coming. And God doesn't do lazy either. God doesn't bless lazy. But he can't bless wore out either. We've got to find that balance. Because we throw this word burnout all the time. How are you doing? I'm burnout. out. You can't be burnt out if you've never been on fire. Why don't you quit ministry? I'm burnt out. You ain't even been on fire yet. And, and I have a ministry. I say I have a ministry. God's blessed us with a ministry that we deal with hurting pastors, fallen pastors and their families. And, and many know this is a heartbeat of this church. And we get calls every week practically. Matter of fact, Thanksgiving Day, I got a, a call from a, a family of a pastor an uh, hour and a half from here who tried to commit suicide uh, Thanksgiving morning. And we'll be ministering to that family. Thank God he didn't do it. But he tried, but we're going to be there. And I was supposed to meet with him this week. And, and the enemy snuck in there early. And, uh, and so we have this ministry for pastors that are hurting and they're falling. But one of the words that I hear from pastors constantly is, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I have nothing left. My tank is empty. And they make bad choices like we've talked about. And, and we've got to come and realize today that burnout does not come from too much activity because some activities in our life restore us. They help us doing the right things at the right time. But burnout comes from doing too many activities that have no purpose in your life. They have no real cause. Activity without purpose produces burnout. There's no reason for them. You're just doing them to keep you busy. 
And we've got to come and realize today, I, I found this out in ministry. Ministry can wear you out too. Ministry will wear you out when you're trying to catch people that don't want to be caught. You call them, you chase them, you send them cards, you send them letters. Where we, I missed you Sunday, missed you Sunday, missed you Sunday. And I found out in ministry that you can't catch someone that don't want to be caught. And you will wear yourself out. So I don't chase people anymore. I pray for them. I'll send a contact when God's puts people on my heart. And some of them are you in here right now. I didn't bug you every week. But when God would lay you on my heart in prayer, I would contact you and say, hey, missing you, thinking about you. You know, and that's not chasing. That's not putting pressure. It's just because I care. But I found out that you can't catch someone that doesn't want to get caught. You can't help someone that don't want to help themselves. You'll wear yourself out. Come on, you hearing what I'm saying? And that's not just church people. I'm talking about anybody. You can't help the world. You can only help people that's willing to help themselves first. And you've got to come and realize today that the enemy wants to get us into this trap and you become empty inside, and you, and you call it burnout, but really what's happened is you've burned all your energy on things that were non-productive. They had no real purpose. And so you've got to come and understand today that that's why we push Grow Track here, and you'll get tired of us talking about it probably, but we have a four-step journey that we want everyone in this church to be in. And number one is we want you to know God, not a church. We, we don't want you to just know our songs. We want you to know God personally, have a relationship with him. And number two is we want you to begin to find the freedom in your life of areas that have been destructive and the enemies used to destroy you. We, we want to help you find freedom from that through our small groups and, and then our grow track. We want to help you discover your purpose. And next Sunday at six o'clock, We'll have our next grow track with a meal. And there we do a personality test and a gifting test is fun and laughter and, and fellowship. And we're going to find the gifts that God placed within you. And we're going to help you walk in those. And then you join the team, the dream team, and you serve in those gifts. And, and, and I saw this just recently and we were over there working at the church and, and one of our guys was stopped by and he was helping. He's very busy and he's a very productive businessman in our town. And he was working with us, and, and I really apologized to him. I said, man, I'm sorry, I know you work total hours, and, and his gift is making income, and he gives, and he helps, and he serves ministry that way, and, and he's a very prominent man in our city. And, and, and I, I said, I'm sorry that you're here, and he stopped me in the middle of my conversation. He said, Pastor, don't you apologize to me for this. He said, I, I don't get this experience all week long. Because what I do all week has no eternal value whatsoever. He said, when I get to come here and serve with all of this team, he said, I have eternal purpose right now. He said, I get more joy out of doing this than making money all week long. This gives me purpose and reason. He said, don't you ever apologize to the dream team for us serving in ministry. And I received that rebuke. Because there's something powerful about being on full and having purpose in it. Then next is I can no longer hear God. I can no longer hear God. When you get so exhausted, you can speak and he'll talk back, but you can't hear him. You've got too many voices going on in your head. Because everybody look at me. When you're exhausted, you listen to the wrong people. Because you've lost the ability to discern what's right and wrong. And too many voices begin because broke people want you broke. They'll spend your money to help you do it. Mad people want you mad. Hurt people want you hurt. They want somebody to identify and go down with them. 
And you got to realize today that when the enemy can get you so exhausted, you lose the ability to hear God speaking to you. And then you get angry at the church. You get angry at people. And it's really you making wrong choices. And I tell my staff, they're not mad at us. They're mad at themselves. So just let it go and keep praying. Because they're really mad at themselves because they made the choice and now they're living with it. And we're going to pray and we're going to love and we're going to help and we're going to counsel, but I'm not taking the blame for something that you chose to do. Come on, help me. Love you, but I can't take that blame. And we've got to realize today that you'll, you'll get so exhausted to a place that the enemy will get you that you can't hear the voice of God. You ever found yourself totally stressed out? Let me show you what happens when you let God and you, through choice, you reverse stress. When you reverse stress, it becomes desserts. Come on, Krispy Kreme, somebody. All you can eat hot off the grill. Come on, come on. Even if you're losing weight, just one day, some dessert. That's what happens when you let God reverse the stress in your life. He makes life sweet, my friend. I said, he wants it to be sweet. Let me hurry. I've got to really wrap up here. I've gone too long. Let's, let's go then to, to how do we do that? How, how do I release this, this stress? How do I get into a place of rest? Number one, go to Mark chapter six. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Number one, stop the constant pursuit for more. You want to find that rest that God talked about? Stop the constant pursuit for more. I'm not saying stop bettering yourself. Stop going for your dreams and go. I'm not saying that. I'm saying stop trying to get everything in life when you're not content with what you already have. Because until you become content with what you have, nothing else you gain will make you happy. That's good preaching right there. And Christmas is coming up, and everybody listen to me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some of you are still paying for last Christmas. Don't do it. Have fun. We have a rule in my house. We draw names. We get one gift, and they get a $20 gift. I'm 58 years old. I don't need gifts under a Christmas tree. I need a family around a table. And I don't need my kids spending their hard-earned money to try to make me feel they love me through a gift. If they don't love me, I already know that by now. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it. Stop the constant pursuit of more because your neighbors got the jeans. Don't mean your kids have to have them if you can't afford them. Don't pursue more, a driving desire and a pursuit to obtain more. Do you know the average American today spends 137% of their check every week? 137% means you're going deeper in debt, buying the things you don't need with the money you don't have to impress the people you don't like. Ecclesiastes says, it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Ooh, some of us need to get that word. Proverbs, the book of wisdom says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots your bones. They got it. I got to have it too. Yeah, your bones are rotting out of envy. 
Live under your, your standards and resources, not your neighbors. Let me hurry here. Oh, I didn't want to skip that, but I will. Number two, keep the Sabbath day as holy. You want to find rest that he was talking about in that early scripture, the rest that God provides? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, God gave us 10 commandments. Here's what I want you to understand. He didn't give those to us for him. They're not laws that he gave so he can put a thumb on us and go, you better do that or you're going to hell. The 10 commandments were given for us so that we could live life to the fullest and peaceful and full of joy. If we obey these, we, we protect ourselves from the attacks of the enemy. And one of those is, we find it in Exodus chapter 20, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. And the Sabbath does not mean Sunday. Now, we wanted to do that because we want to make you feel like you're going to hell if you don't show up at church. You know what I'm saying? And I want you here. How many feels better when you go to church? Come on, anybody? All right, I want you here, but I don't want you here out of condemnation or guilt. I want you here because I just want to worship the Lord with my family. But the Sabbath does not mean Sunday. It means cease. It means a day that you cease doing what you were doing the other six days. A day that you set aside to rest. And, and here's a rule of thumb that I would love for you to start going by. Number one is you work five days for your employer or yourself if you have your own business. You work five days to take care of your finances. Work one day to take care of you, your needs, your house, your yard, whatever. And then there's a Sabbath day, a day that you cease working at all and you rest. Remember what we said earlier in the scripture? Jesus said, if you find that day of rest in God, that you're gonna be blessed and favored. But if you follow the pattern of the rest in the world, you're cursed, you're gonna die. You've gotta have that Sabbath day. It means a holy day, a holiday. A day, and most of you, it will be Sunday. That's the day you don't work. You work Monday through Friday. Saturday's your day to do the yard and everything like that. And Sunday's your day to rest. You come to church and you get fed and you go eat and you go home, get a recliner and watch a ball game. Sunday's not my day of rest. It's one of my busiest days. I work hard. They say preaching one message is like, like working eight hours physically. So I've got 24 hours of work in today. I love it. I'm not tired today. I could preach six. Now, Monday, I feel 58. Because usually I come back for grow track at night too. And, and I love doing what I do. So there's an adrenaline on Sundays. But Monday, I feel it. So Monday's my Sabbath. My wife and I get up and we'll go to Destin or we'll go to Spanish Ford or we'll go to the beach or, and, and we just spend that day together and we rest and we regroup because I want to be sharp when I come in here on next Sunday. Not perfect, but sharp. Saturday, my family knows. You can plan parties, picnics, whatever you want, but Saturday after about noon, I'm not found because I lock in. And I've had people give me Wahoo tickets and everything, offer to give them, and I'm like, I can't do that. I tried that. And then I came here on Sunday morning and I felt empty. I, I didn't feel right that, that I want to set that Saturday. I'm already ready. My notes are turned in by Wednesday for my staff to do the notes and all. So I'm ready on Wednesday. For Saturday, I've got, that's part of my Sabbath, getting ready for that, that day of work. And, and then I'm going to come in on Monday and I'm going to enjoy my Sabbath. But you've got to come and realize that you've got to set a Sabbath aside. And if Sunday's your Sabbath, then you need to give that Sabbath to rest all day. It's not your day to go work another day to make another dollar. I'm just talking to you. 
Because if you're using it for that, you're following the pattern of the world. And the Bible said, God said, you're going to die with them. It's not Dan Livingston. I'm not using that to get your church. I'm saying follow the pattern that God gave. And he said, you will find supernatural rest. And he will give you more in your obedience than you'll ever earn out there in disobedience. That's good preaching right there. I'm just trying to help some of you. So I want to encourage you. Because each Sabbath, here's something I've started doing. My family, I'm sharing this today. They don't even know that, but it's in my computer. Because I I asked God to help me because I didn't do this for many, many years. For over 25 years, I didn't take a Sabbath. I worked seven days a week. The church told me to take it, but I couldn't. I was a workaholic. I'm going to work. Until at 38, I was on two heart monitors 24 hours a day and almost died. And almost lost everything. And, and it woke me up. So I take that Sabbath now. No matter what needs to be done, that day is my day with my wife and to rest. And just get regrouped so I can come back and pastor this church. But I, I have things that I've written down. And every day I look at them. And on my Sabbath, on my Monday... I have a list of the most important responsibilities I have. One, my first one is my wife. And every Monday, I've got it written down. They won't see it until I die. But every Monday, I look and go, what can I do better? Father, help me to be a better husband to my wife. And then my family, help. how can I be a better father to my children and a grandfather to my grandchildren? What, what can I do better to let them know my love for them? Then I come down to my pastor. How, how, what can I do to be a better pastor to this church? If you'll show me, and I write it down, what I feel. And that becomes my goal that week. And I have a list of 10 areas that every Sabbath I revisit that now. And I've just been doing that for about four months. That I revisit and go, okay, I want to be better this week. I can't make that decision on Thursday because I'm tired. I make those decisions when I'm rested. I can hear him. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you need to get that Sabbath. All of you need to get that Sabbath in your world. Number three, and I close, stay close to Jesus. Stay close. Don't let life take you away from Jesus. Have you noticed now that all the ball fields want to do all their special things on Sunday? All the school, Sunday. All the activities, Sunday. Work Sunday, everything trying to pull you away from the presence of God, the presence of Jesus. You got to realize today that nothing takes priority over that. Jesus is not just Savior and Lord. The Bible calls him our chief shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd here today. I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm just a representative of him to guide you to him, and I'm going to do my best to do that. But I want you to meet the chief shepherd, and the psalmist put it like this before I close The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still water. He restores my soul. That's what he wants to do in your life, to keep you from exhaustion. He says, I want to take you to green pastures. I'm your shepherd. If you'll spend that time with me, and what he means there is the shepherd would take the sheep to new pastures. He would move them around, and he would give one time to get new shoots of grass so that they're tender and they're full of energy, and then he would take the sheep there and then let this one replenish that's what God wants to do in your life. And when you rest, you don't have to worry. You don't have to work so hard to get the green shoots and the energy. When you find that rest in him, he'll guide you to it. Everybody look at me for one second. Many of us are wore out trying to find rest. 
It ain't even the job that's killing us, it's trying to find time to rest. But our shepherd will guide us there. He'll take us to steel waters, and the waters weren't steel, they were rapids. But the shepherd would take boulders and rocks and block off an area and make it calm and peaceful so the sheep could drink from it and not be swept away in the rapids. And God's saying, in the, in the rapids of life, if you'll rest and put me first, he said, I'll put a calm place before you. That in the midst of all the rush of life, I'm going to give you a place of peace, a place of rest. And I want to challenge you today to try it and let Jesus bring rest to your soul. Here's what he says. Go to the last scripture in your notes. Isaiah says, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's the key principle that's in your notes. Number one, slow down. Number two, give God the Sabbath. Number three, rest, and then you will rule every area of your life. How many receive God's Word today? Rest before you rule. Rest before you rule. Bow your heads with me. How many in here right now would say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. But boy, has God dropped a word in my heart today. I needed this word. Things are out of balance. Things are out of balance. And I recognize that. How many would lift a hand for God to see to say, I heard you today. You talked to me and I got it. Come on, hands going up all over the building. It's between you and God. It's not me. You're just letting God know, I heard you today. You had a word for me today. I'm listening. I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk it out. You can put your hands down. How many would join the four and the eight o'clock service and say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian right now. I know God's real, but I know I'm not where I need to be with him right now. Somebody invited me, or I came on my own today, and boy, I've, I've heard the music, the worship. It just touched my heart, and the word today is simple. I can get it, and I realize that God loves me. He's got a great plan for my life, and I just want to commit my life to him today. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray a prayer over you. If that's you right now, would you slip a hand up to him and just say, that's me today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? There's three. Anyone else? You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Anyone else? Just say, that's me today. I need to make a choice today. I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. Maybe you're online via the internet, and you need to make that choice today. I want you to pray this prayer with us. And if you raised your hand or you did not, will you pray it with us now? We're going to join you so you don't feel alone. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come, confess, believe, I can receive you as my Savior. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, will you join me and let's celebrate with these that have prayed today?